Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. We'd like to wrap 2020 with weekly live Q&A sessions here on the podcast. So after this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support this holiday season, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hello, I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. It's live at five-ish. Ish. We're here to talk about what, Kel? <laughs> Practicing powers beyond control and our discipline. Showing up and growing up alongside our kids for sanity and social change, right? Getting through the day, what to say, what to do, how to negotiate with these people who are saying, I need you to meet me way up here. You don't have any training. You have no idea what I'm needing, what I'm wanting, um, and how to do it. And I'd like you to be up here by this bar, actually. Great. Good luck, Mom. There's, luck, our, there's our sanity yeah. um, bar. And then social change, which is saying we are straight, cis, white, able-bodied, privileged women. Mm-hmm. And we have a responsibility to be talking about these things, the ways that we can be combating these cultural paradigms of control, oppression, um, <clears throat> thinking about our use of power and privilege, mm-hmm. not just um, out in the world, but really at home, in this place that we are steeped in daily, um, struggling through, um, and trying to find a way to balance that power and privilege, to be teaching our kids these skills of respect, of empathy, of communication, of resilience, of grit, of all of these things, as we're learning them ourselves. That's kind of the <clears throat> catch-22 is, we can't give our kids what we don't have and what we don't know. And um, second catch-22 is, um, I don't know if it is, you can bust me on this, our kids are learning by the way that we teach. And they don't just learn by the way, they learn the way. So when we control consequences on my terms now, threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, that's control, but spanking, timeouts, all those things, that is how they learn about power and privilege and how to control or be controlled by other people. Right. And when we can use the resist approach or another model that says we want to be thinking about a family in this more democratic, egalitarian way that makes everything a conversation, that makes everything about really two people getting their needs met, or more than two, Mm -hmm. through a respectful conversation that says, I'm hearing you need this. Okay, I'm needing this. How can we be working on skills like respect, empathy, boundary setting, Thinking up innovation and problem solving, mm-hmm. trusting. Um, I mean, the resist approach in general is saying, wow, we have values beyond obedience, beyond just getting our own needs met, beyond quiet. All of those quiet things are sounds great, pretty good right now. But what but are our loftier values and goals with our family? How can we work to get our kids' needs met and our needs met at the same time? 
How can we be teaching with loving limits, with a sense of humor, mm -hmm. with optimism and trust? That's the idea. We get to take our family and our interpersonal relationship with our kid and say, what is a new model that I want to be bringing into this household and into this relationship? It doesn't yeah. have to mirror these other models of a hierarchy and of power being used a particular way that we see everywhere else and don't like so much. We get to choose the path that our family's on. We get to choose powers beyond control. We get to grow up, show up with our kids in a different way. And that's mm -hmm. what these lives are about. That's what our work at Upbringing is about. Uh, yeah. And that's what we're excited <clears throat> to talk about with you, you all here. We promise it'll be fun. I know we're like, discipline everybody. <laughs> dun, dun, Get dun, ready. Dun, dun, dun. Buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> um, but it, it can be fun. We promise. So that's the idea today. Tell us what's the hardest. You're you're totally pushing us off here. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to like lean. Don't I, don't. I like it to be a straight line, Cal, up top here. Do you, I don't know if you notice. I'm but I, I like it to be Shame you for your Virgo-ness right now. Thank you. Um, Virgo vertigo. Anyway. We're here, we love talking about the big yeah. picture stuff, those values, how do we keep aligned as parents so we're not parenting through the patriarchy and living as humans through our activist selves, the people who are kind of promoting these greater ideals of respect and, and rule breaking and activism and all of these amazing things. How can we keep that aligned in our parenting? And then we also talk about the ways we do that, what we say, what we do, what we recommend based mm -hmm. on all the trainings we've had, based on all the research we've read, there's a lot now out there about respectful, conscious, mindful, evidence-based parenting um, that you know our parents probably didn't know, and there's no way they could have known, and that's okay. And that we haven't known, and that's what we're talking about here. Someone wrote in and said, notice such a difference in my approach over the last few weeks in changing my language around my kids. That is so interesting to hear. I love that. Um, what <clears throat> have you noticed? What's the change you've noticed? when you're just changing your language. Um, this week we're talking uh, on Instagram and mm -hmm. on these lives and podcasts here about respect. What is respect? How can we be using elements of respect mm -hmm. in our conversations with our kids to elevate and empower all of us to be using respectful language? It's backwards. Right. Get over it. <laughs> that doesn't mean that we need to require it and expect it of our kids at a very young age when their brains are growing, right? We need to be using and modeling that ourselves. And the power of our own words is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. So if you've been changing up your wording, uh, oh, I wanted to say too, it's also 20% off in the shop with the code RESPECT this week. Uh, but we'd love to hear how it's been going. You said using the resist, primarily looking at behaviors as needs. Oh, love that. Yeah. So those beliefs and saying, wow, my kid's behaviors, I'm not looking at that as a threat, not looking at it as an annoyance, or something to fix or change necessarily or punish. I'm looking at it as my child's developmental way of expressing a need. And instead of working against that, I'm gonna work with it. How can I help them not just meet the need as their parent, but ultimately create that awareness in my kid to meet those needs themselves eventually. Mm -hmm. All of that is awareness <clears throat> building, but it starts with us. That's so great, congratulations. Someone else writes, what to do when one parent does not follow this look at all, this mm -hmm. outlook at all? Oh, that's mm -hmm. so hard. Um, yeah. We have done a, a couple podcast episodes about caregiver clashes. We're going to have a guide in the shop. We've got lots of Instagram resources, and our quick visuals guide dives into that as well. But the ways to between <clears throat> letting it all go, slightly modeling things, bringing it up neutrally in conversation and sharing, bringing it up a little bit more directly um, and honestly, and taking them to therapy and everything in between. We talk about those things in, that, in those episodes. Um, There's such a you. spectrum that we can use uh, mm -hmm. with, our, with our partners, with our kids, of saying, wow, how much control do I want to um, be bring into this relationship mm -hmm. and this equation? Wow, research shows that working with a child or a partner or a friend or anyone else, if I can find a way to use connection to create change, that is much better and faster, ultimately, than correction. So as much and as easy it is for us to lose our shit on our partners or just be like seething and resentful mm -hmm. or really worried and concerned about the difference in our parenting, we can be taking action. We can be really, you know, <clears throat> influencing them in a lot of ways and then creating some nonviolent communication opportunities to uh, discuss all of it and find a way to connect through it. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be on the same page exactly as our partners. <clears throat> we probably never will and that's okay. But can we be... Uh, aware, 
together about what the deal is? Can we understand one another and why we're doing what we do? Yeah, That's and, the goal. And can we be, in some ways, taking steps where we can to create an open dialogue mm -hmm. about getting on the same page for the sake of the kids, for that consistency, for mm -hmm. that exposure to the things that we believe in? What do you believe in? Here's what I believe in. Mm -hmm. can start with that even. Where have you come from? What's been yeah. up with you? Why do you think that works? What, mm -hmm. what, what stresses you out about this? How can I help you? How can we support each other with this? Yeah. Right. Someone says, I don't have kids, but I have nieces and nephew, but also I'm here for, to bridge better relationships. Welcome. Thanks Love for that. being here. We talk about our resist approach so much, the ways that we use it with our partners and with each other. It's, it is really like six steps boiled down that you can download on our website about a nonviolent communicative way to connect with another person, to get your need on the table, to listen to their need, to be building skills between you, to get a result that hopefully you both can work with, mm -hmm. or that can be part of a process where you're working through the steps. Mm -hmm. So someone else says, yes, and my child favors me. I think partly because we parent so differently and she feels emotionally safer with me. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Our, our kids can respond differently between us and between our partners, and it goes both ways. Oftentimes our, our kids will feel safer and they will get closer, divulge more, go to automatically. And oftentimes our kids feel so safe with us compared to our partner that they will let it all out ah. with us. And it can often feel like, oh my gosh, my partner says something and my kids just do what they say. My partner never has to deal with tantrums or meltdowns. Why do I have to? And that's also because we're the safe place, right? The work we're doing matters and it's it's making change whether or not our partner is necessarily doing it. Yeah, we would encourage everyone just <clears throat> write a little note if you've got something going on. We definitely have a lot of DMs that we can get through yeah. as well, but so much about what you were just talking about, Hannah, is about trying to be that safe place for mm -hmm. our kids. When we wanna lose our shit, when we're feeling terrible, when we don't know what to say, our ultimate goal in so many ways is to be a safe landing space. Mm -hmm. Attraction pad, the footprints on our face, right? <laughs> That's it's, it, it feels like often like we're the doormat. Are we teaching them that, that they can um, walk all over somebody? Am I being too permissive? And everything that we've been reading and studying says, no, if you can still hold boundaries around things that matter to you, usually your own personal boundaries, safety boundaries, mm -hmm. space and, and environment boundaries, but not putting boundaries on a human being or limits. limits. Um, that's the ideal. That's the we idea. also talk about um, that sensitive support staff hat that we try to put on mm -hmm. in those moments when we feel the need to dive in there and control and fix and change and, oh my gosh, this is stressing me out, what they're saying, what they're doing. Okay, I'm gonna be the, the judge and jury, I'm gonna be the hall monitor, I'm gonna be the referee, I'm gonna be the police. Mm -hmm. And I think that so much of what we talk about here at Upbringing in these <coughs> live Q&A in, on video, in Instagram, and here on the podcast is saying, we do not have to police our kids. We do not have to be that role that we've been conditioned to think we need to, to teach them, to socialize them. We don't have to be that. We can be so much more by doing so much less mm -hmm. with a little bit of intention, with a little bit of awareness, with a little bit of bravery and a little bit of effort. We do this. Love it. And we do it <clears throat> many times a day. Over and, and over. And we fail fucking many times a day. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. I know I like to use words that we're comfortable with, which mm -hmm. is failing. And even though we're failing feeling like we fail. Yeah. Even though failing is not a thing. We in talk parenting. about failing forward. That's mm -hmm. the only way to move forward is to fail enough times that you create change and adapt over time. Mm -hmm. You don't adapt through positive interactions necessarily as much as the negative ones the challenges that are opportunities to move forward. I feel like we're talking very meta though. And we mm -hmm. want to talk about discipline dramas with you all. So uh, type away, tell us something that's really hard right now lately with your kids around discipline, around listening, around Respect, cooperating. Big oh. feelings, challenging behaviors, tantrums, right. sibling issues. Like those are all yeah. the things that, that we struggle with so much. We each have two kids um, that are four and six-ish, both of them. Um, so four kids total that we struggle so much with. We're so with you in these moments in this chronic feeling of parenting in captivity um, and doing the work, not just getting everyone to get through the day um, fed, slightly clean, you know, mostly loved, but making it through the day ourselves mm -hmm. um, without, you know, feeling guilt and, and worry and fear and all the things. Mm -hmm. A few of you wrote in and said hitting, sitting down to eat. Mm. Ugh. 
that's hitting at the dinner table while sitting down to eat or we're, other times. We're wondering. It's no, I mean, I'm sure it it's a separate like a, thing. I mean, hitting we talk about a lot in our sibling guide. I don't know if um, you're talking about hitting a sibling or hitting you, but that those are those moments of dysregulation where we just have to keep everybody safe, set loving limits, and use our presence to calm the situation, right? Mm -hmm. Most kids hit when they're not <clears throat> feeling so good and they're not sure how to get their needs met using words, right? adaptively they don't have those skills yet so how can we calm the situation so learning can take place that's what we talk about in our resist approach and in our big feelings guide as well which is available in our shop we break down all the steps of like how do we go about this because it's a lot and we're coming out soon with a challenging behaviors guide so like not sitting down when they're eating mm -hmm. that's one of those things we have to do you decide. mean like coming to the table to eat sitting down to eat or sitting down while eating because mm. I feel like they're both a little bit different they sound like a two to three year old they're but hitting and also not sitting down. It would probably be standing at the table. They sound like separate things to and me. And I mean, I love talking about that, Kelty, because you have so much expertise about a child who has to move their body and struggles to stay sitting at the table. We could talk for a long time And about not even this. struggles to stay sitting at the table, but struggles to not use their hands to eat. Struggles to not put their foot up like this on the table. Mm -hmm. Maybe touching the food to their toes. Like, oh, that's exciting you? You don't like that? Mm, I'm going to do a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, you don't like me sitting on my knees? <clears throat> I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be up here. A child what do you think now? Is a child who is strong-willed, spirited, but also sensory-seeking, mm -hmm. who's also saying, my body and my nervous system are needing sensory input. So I'm going to mush this. I'm going to be standing up and then sitting down. And then standing I'm going to pour this out. Down. This is so interesting. Pouring this thing out. I'm going to rub my hand in it right away. I'm going to wipe it on my face. Right. I'm going to fling it off the table. That was Kelty's kids. They were, is. Not, is, they were not trying to be bad. They were not trying to give Kelty a hard time. Can you get a, a charger, Kel? Mm. I'm worried that we'll run out of time. Sure. Uh, but they just are getting their needs met using their bodies. That is what two-year-olds, three-year-olds, and beyond use to get their needs met is their bodies because their bodies connected to their mind and their nervous systems right that's the first way they go about it is with their bodies and then eventually they're they're using words and you say yes she is so sensory motivated and very strong-willed yep confident bold oh love to hear that that is beautiful and it's like gosh if we just do anything in this world at upbringing it's convincing people that their spirited and sensitive kids are badass so worthy and amazing and valuable and all we got to do is just be building the skills to work with it rather than against it that has to do a lot with when at the table which we're going to just wrap up but is saying what in the resist approach here what can i let go of what do i need what's a must mm -hmm. do they need to sit at the table or can based on the fact that they're two or three strong world and sensory seeking stand up to eat right <laughs> Pause to what Kelty's plugging us in, everybody. I'm doing it. Um, but we're talking about a, um, thanks, Kel, um, needing to adjust with a kid who keeps standing up. Okay, how can we fix it? How can we help them help themselves? How can we innovate? That's the innovate part of our resist approach. We're respecting at the beginning that they've got these physical needs while they're eating. They want to stand up. They want to do whatever. Great. If they're wanting to mush food, <clears throat> have a bigger tray that they can mush food in if they need to. Do you remember right? going to Grandma and Grandpa's and being forbidden, forbidden, to be on our knees. Mm. We had to sit on our bottoms. And I was like, I can't fucking see my food. Mm -hmm. But it was like, it wasn't proper to be on our knees. We are still perpetuating mm -hmm. extensions of those like older people doing those things. Mm -hmm. Like nice kids don't put their feet on the table. Or I'm you worried you're gonna your fall. Hands. I'm worried you're gonna fall. Put a pillow behind them. Let them fall. Sit, sit next to them so that you can support them if they start to fall mm -hmm. or let them fall. It's not very far. And then they know that they shouldn't be leaning backwards during dinner. That's the idea is helping our kids attune to themselves. Here's food. What are you needing? How can you be safe? How can you get your needs met? Right? So I'm not mm -hmm. having to control you or punish you for your needs. Right? Yeah. What else? Someone says, feeling stuck and resentful being at home all the time with my four and two-year-old. Showing mm. up physically with headaches. Need change. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. We I get that. And that. four and two is a really hard phase. At least it was for us. Yeah. With our kids were two years apart also. And that's, that's like a new immersion moment when the two-year-old is really stepping into their own power and their yeah. own independence. It's hard. And as introverts, 
we get really, yeah. really touched out, yelled out, needed out. We need our own time in our own space. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great thing to do is to have that. You've got that. You've got that realization. Okay, you're needing space. You're feeling tapped out. What can we be done, right? Can you start creating yes spaces where they play and they have like a rest time, right? Which we're mm -hmm. going to talk about in a minute a little bit more. Can you find ways for them to be outside in a safe place where you can get a little bit more distance from them? You know, we're on a patio, fence in a patio. Mm -hmm. How can you be getting a little bit of the space you need? Someone else says, going for bedtime with dad instead of me always wants it to be me, huge breakdowns. Like, I've, we've totally had that moment where like, we're just trying to step away. We've been the more needed person <laughs> in some ways because we're home more, we're breastfeeding more, all the mm -hmm. things. And can we just go away for a little bit, please? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so hard when they're like, no, mama, no, mama, no, mama. Right. For me, it wasn't more no papa, but I feel like you've had your own issues with, with dealing with that and having to validate. You just want me to stay. I yeah. love you and I'm going to be back oh. soon. What should we do when this? Mm -hmm. Or the papa, hopefully stepping into it, or other partner Confidence. saying, you really want her to stay. What do you love mm -hmm. most about mm -hmm. being with her? Me too. Can I tell you a funny story about her? So I was thinking about this time that blah, 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 <laughs> right. not to distract, but to connect through that transition, yeah. that separation that struggle. Yeah. Right? And trying that. to make that separation as long as possible. Yeah. And if possible, make it consistent when the nights that dad does it, at least to try and kind of move through that way mm -hmm. so that it's predictable. So you can say, oh, what nap time or whatever. So it's Wednesday, so Papa's doing bedtime tonight. Or do you tonight. remember what mm -hmm. happens on Wednesdays? What happens? what happens? And then they say, no, I don't want that. And you can help process all of those feelings with them before it happens. Not, well, it has to happen, right. so, but you don't want them. Okay. Oh, can we draw a yeah. picture about it? What would you want your dream bedtime to be? Let's talk Let's about it. Let's get it all out now, mm -hmm. so hopefully you're feeling better when it actually comes time to do that. you've gone through the dabda, right? The stages mm -hmm. of grief, of wanting something and needing something. What not is it? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The, um, the child who was getting up, trying to, or hitting and not wanting to sit while eating, she said, yes, mm -hmm. she's so that. sensory motivated and very strong-willed. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, you already mm -hmm. said that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> was that when I was gone? My eight-year-old defies me constantly, someone says. Does not want to eat, does not follow self-care routine, etc. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We're sorry that's happening. That is a tricky time. We love to talk about division of responsibility. And freedoms. And our, which is part of our freedoms. So you can download our freedoms approach, our model, on our website at upbringing.co. It's free. And it talks about these areas of our kids' lives where we, are, we have so much responsibility at the beginning. And then at, over time, we're helping them to, to bring in and take that responsibility. Or they're saying, hey, I want that responsibility. Give me more power. Excuse me, I'm resisting. Here's a cue that I need a little bit more agency, mm -hmm. connection, information about mm -hmm. my own life. Right. But oftentimes, you know, an eight-year-old will, will defy you or resist eating certain things or following self-care because they're getting to that point where they've individuated and they're realizing, wait a second, you can't tell me what to do anymore right? Yeah. I want to make the choices for my own body. And so it might make me not want to eat certain foods. It might make me not want to brush my teeth or do certain things because I want it to come from an intrinsically motivated place. And so right? do we. Yeah. Ultimately, we want our kids to be eating, caring for their bodies, um, showing gratitude, all of these things based on an internal value that we can instill by control. Mm -hmm. We instill by influence, we instill by modeling, we instill by mm -hmm. love, we instill by storytelling, we instill by showing them why brushing your teeth feels so good, why eating vegetables and finding the flavors that match with your own taste buds that we can't determine for another mm -hmm. human being feels so awesome. So I think that if your eight-year-old is defying you, then I think that that means you are controlling them. And to try to just kind of be a little bit more sensitive to these things that are ultimately theirs, right? <clears throat> but it's such a big trust fall, Kelty. I mm -hmm. love that. And that's our goal is saying, I want my child to be intrinsically motivated to care for themselves. Food, sleep, hygiene, cleaning up, friendships, homework, screen time. So I have to teach the them self-responsibility, right? By telling them when to do it, how much to do it, where to do it, all those things. Mm -hmm. But I think that your kid is saying, I want more agency. And it's so hard to let go. But I think that oftentimes letting go a little and saying, I trust. I'm not scared. I trust in you. 
you know the deal with what happens if your teeth get infected with a cavity. You know the deal if you're eating more sugar than you are vegetables, right? But I trust you and your body and I'm leaving it to you. It's basically saying as a parent, I don't want to put myself in between my child's relationship with food, my child's relationship with hygiene, my child's relationship with homework and schoolwork, with friends, with themselves, with themselves. That's yeah. their connection that we've had to like pass the baton on. And it's really tricky of knowing when to let go and letting them pick up the slack eventually. And sometimes that can look like they won't brush their teeth for a week or that they eat all white bread with jam on it for six months, for six months. Yeah. But eventually with modeling and influence and conversations that are non-judgmental and connection filled, that's the idea. And research shows that they will pick that up themselves because they'll learn to trust their bodies and their choices won't be in relation to whether we told them to or not. It won't be about our relationship and our power over them. They will have taken their own power and stepped into their own power about their bodies and their needs. But we want yeah. that to happen earlier. And eight is a great age mm -hmm. to be diving in and telling your eight-year-old, girl, I trust you. I trust you. How's your teeth feeling? What's up? I'm here. I'm support staff, mm -hmm. right? I'm not this authority figure that's challenging you to resist me when this is really about your body, right? Mm -hmm. How can we be that neutral person? Like, this is yeah. not about me controlling you. No. This is just like some ideas I have. I'm floating them out neutrally so you don't reject them automatically being your own fierce human being, mm -hmm. right? And I'm saying, how, how can we do that in a side-by-side, -side collaborative, yeah. nice way? Here's my concern, right? We talk about concern in the sync-up step of our resist approach. My concern is that if you're not brushing regularly and you're still eating the candy, then um, you're going to get cavities. And we only have so much money budgeted for dentists. So we're going to have to do something where maybe we just don't get movies anymore because that costs money that's going into the dentist stuff. Or maybe we can't do sweets. We can't, we can't feel like we can give you all the sugar stuff and the fun stuff that's those fun foods mm -hmm. if you're not brushing your teeth to get that sugar out. What mm -hmm. should we do? What are you thinking? It's, it's up to you, right? Mm -hmm. Putting that back on them to Yeah, but do. that asks that we operate in this middle ground mm -hmm. where normally we want to just be, be permissive and be like, I'm just going to let it go. Okay, they don't want to brush their teeth, whatever. La, la, la. I yeah. can't deal with this. I can't deal with them. Mm -hmm. And then we want to swing the pendulum the other way sometimes. Yeah. And we're like, brush your fucking teeth. Like, I can't, I can't stand your breath. It's, it's getting into your braces. I'm, I'm scared so about being shamed by the dentist or my partner. This yeah. is embarrassing. You haven't brushed for four days. So those are, that's kind of like the, the opposite and extremes mm. that we go to, to avoid ultimately just sitting there in the middle and being a little uncomfortable and saying, this isn't about me. And not this isn't about you in a shamey way. Here's a situation. What do you think? And building slowly that consciousness so our kids can be learning and exploring on their terms. Mm -hmm. Because by the time a lot of our kids get to be eight, they're like, don't tell me. Or if it comes from you, not so much. Mm -hmm. And that's something we can be beginning earlier. A lot of people here mm -hmm. have a lot younger kids who can be saying, okay, I'm starting to sense that resistance. I'm starting to sense that need for individuality and agency and choice and freedom at, a, at two, at three, at four, at five, at six, at 20, whatever that it is. middle way, I love that Kelty, but that middle way is tricky because most of us have not lived in that middle way. Mm -hmm. And it requires that we sit down and have a conversation with our kids, multiple conversations, rather multiple than controlling <laughs> them, saying, let's talk about the teeth. I'm going to story tell about the teeth. I'm going to draw pictures about the teeth. I'm going to check in lovingly about the teeth. I'm going to problem solve around what would make teeth stuff more fun for you. We're going to be, we have to basically enlist all of these skills for ourselves that we want to then be modeling for our kids so that when they get older and they have a roadblock where they're like, I don't want to go to the gym. I can't do these taxes. They've mm -hmm. got an inner resistance like your daughter, maybe around certain foods or certain hygiene. We want them to know immediately. It's okay. I'm not a bad person. I'm not in trouble. I don't have to avoid this or hide from this or shame and blame myself, mm -hmm. right? I can just experience this and notice it and be curious about it. I can think of what would help me want to do it better or more often. What could, what could happen? Like, what could I do? I don't need to be motivated by the fear of a consequence or the, the blessing of an incentive to live my own life. Right. Yeah. Someone else says, I find I have more patience one-on-one -on -one with my five and a half year old and follow these methods well. 
Once the twins are up almost two, my patience is strained. He's noticed and asked me why I quote unquote order him around. Mm. Oh. Yeah, and you can tell him. You can say, oh, it's when I feel overwhelmed. That's a word that we use with our kids mm -hmm. a lot and that our three-year-olds, four-year-olds. struggling. When I'm struggling. To the yeah. point they can bring it up and say, are you struggling, mama? We'd say, yeah, nothing you're doing. It's just the day and I'm gonna go take my deep breaths or take a few minutes in the bathroom or whatever mm -hmm. it is I need. Yeah, they, they say, he told me I treat him like a robot and I stopped and got to his level and asked how he would like me to ask him to pick up. He was right and I do that without realizing and we'll try to ask next time. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, our, Asking I've, our kids, hey, what would work for you? Mm -hmm. Ugh, sometimes I mindlessly do it. I'm not thinking about what you need or what would sound better for you. And it's so nice that a, a child like that can be like, why are you treating me so harsh like a robot as opposed to... I'm going to go dump this plant out mm -hmm. or I'm going to go do something more maladaptive or you, or you suck right now or whatever to basically communicate the same thing, which is I'm feeling stress. I can't perform what you need me to do. And I'm feeling very sensitive to the way you're talking to me. Mm -hmm. And our kids can't say that. Wouldn't that be amazing if they yeah. could just say those things and be like, um, just <laughs> FYI, when you talk to me that way, that I tone, feel, feel a little bit like word. it's just like, <laughs> um, so just next time, but no stress and no pressure. I've written down a few examples that you, if you could maybe just, try but, to do. But digest them on your own <laughs> and come back to the, the drawing board, and I'm sure we'll figure something else out. And my, my kids instead are like, my daughter will say, you're not parenting very well right now. She will call she it out. She called me out on that earlier. And I will be like, you're right. I'm not. I'm struggling right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. But it's almost worse when they're try they're nice to you when you're struggling. They're like, okay, is it? mama. Is it really? I feel even worse <laughs> than, than when they're like, you suck. Um, we're all on this together. You're doing an amazing job. Yeah. Ugh. Let's see. Someone else writes, my kids are four and two, and I co-sign that. Love it. <laughs> uh, someone said, he told me I treat oh, him like a robot. That. I read that. Um, my two-year-old refusing to nap. I thought she was young to drop nap. But I'm trying to embrace it now. Any tips around teaching and introducing quiet time? That was a really oh, big a question that we, we had DM'd. Yeah, we'll do Kenzie next. But um, we had a, a question DM'd about a two-year-old and a five-year-old who are homeschooled and who are needing... Stop turning it. You it stop needs turning to be right it. right here. No. So the resist approach is right in the middle of us. But and this is as close to the top as possible. It's still angled off. I'm operating by this line right here for straightness but look and at parody. look ceiling, Kel. Look. Uh, okay. We'll meet in the middle. Just stop. Okay. <laughs> um, oh. Okay. A, a, so a parent here who's writing in about a two and a half year old dropping a nap. Mm -hmm. Another parent who wrote us who DM'd talking about a two and a year old and a five year old who get on each other's nerves at a certain time during the day. She's homeschooling and is like, dude, we need space. We need to institute a quiet time. So. I have a very separate experience about quiet time than Kelty does. There's no right way to do quiet time. There's no right way to do naps. I think it's wonderful that that we and you all are thinking, okay, when my child is dropping a nap, I'm not forcing it. You can't force a child to go to sleep. You don't want to create trauma around a bedtime routine, mm -hmm. around sleep, around a bedroom and a bed, right? So you got to work with it, right? You don't just want to drop it completely and you're tired and they're tired. But how can you create something? And I love that idea, like you mentioned, of a rest time, of some mm. kind of time where you say, you do you, I do me. But it's a whole new routine, and it's really tricky to get kids kids um, bought in, bought into mm -hmm. it and, and just comfortable with it. It's a new transition, right? Yeah, but it's hard because those naps at a certain point when we have younger kids and older kids, mm -hmm. we depend on them. Mm -hmm. And and that transition from nap time to rest time sucks. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I struggle talking about sleep stuff because it was really hard with my kids. And I think one general gist that I want to say based on the, all of the, the little mini conversations we've had here and moving into the sleep stuff is saying we need to be meeting our kids where they are. It's one of our empowerments and yeah. saying they are showing me that they're struggling with resting or sleeping or whatever it is right now. So let's go to the drawing boards. Let's connect about it. Mm -hmm. It seems like you've struggled to stay in your room. What do you need? Do you need a little uh, new books in there? Do you need uh, the lights dimmed? Do you need me to stay a little bit longer? Again, we're helping what do you them need? attune to themselves and say, we want to be building their skills and their skills are based on their self-awareness. Mm -hmm. So as we want to seek to understand our kids, we're helping them understand themselves. 
that when they're having insomnia as an adult, they can be like, oh, this sucks. Okay, I don't have to freak out about it. What can I do to support my body, to support myself, to get my needs met with my partner or whatever it is, yeah. right? But I think this, this mom that, that DM'd us, she was mentioning how she separates them, you know, because she doesn't want them to just kind of take out their tiredness on, on one another. And the two-year-old goes in their bedroom and she gives them a couple options, which I think is great. Um, you know, they can lie down and if they don't want to lie down, they have some books or this or that. Very simple, few options. That's what it is. The curtains are a little lower. You're creating a cozy atmosphere. But when she leaves, 30 seconds later, the two-year-old keeps coming out of the room. She walks them back, happens again, walks them back, happens again, mm -hmm. over and over and over. And that is such a tricky spot to be in. People experience that at bedtime as well. Or right? during playtimes. Mm -hmm. Like this is such a struggle we hear from people about independent Separation play. In general. I put them in their baby play area that's a safe yes space mm -hmm. and they keep coming out and being like, no, or I need you to watch me or I need you to help me or come just be nearby or you can't lock mm -hmm. me on the other side of this. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that you and I have had to wrestle with in different ways because your kids are a little, their temperament is a little bit more independent, mm -hmm. a little bit more relaxed. They'll go and just float and lie on the bed and flip through something and, and mine are more FOMO. They're just like, what's happening here? You stepped away, what's going on with you? What are you doing? Gotta be here, barnacling, well, what's happening? Why you want me in here? Okay, then I'm not going there. Is in there is some agenda that I'm not <laughs> sure I agree with. Probably not, definitely not. Don't agree with this. Now I'm fully rejecting it. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. Yeah, and I think so much about it, again, we have to remember that our superpower is connection, not control. Mm -hmm. Our superpower with our kids to build the skills, to build our relationship, and to, to enlist their cooperation in tricky situations and transitions is by saying, how can I connect with them? To show security and attachment, to help them feel safe, seen, soothed, to help build those skills for the, the resist approach that we talk about, what can we do right now? And so with a two-year-old, yes, we can absolutely keep saying the same thing every single time, walk them in, do the things, leave, they come back, and we keep walking them. So it's like a fading situation. So we go in and right? say, you have the books, you have the thing, I'll be back in a minute. Or we can get a little bit more creative mm -hmm. in our innovate and empathize step. Right. You're not wanting this. Are the covers right? It's not what, working what's going yet. on? And in our minds, we're like, I have to get the fuck out of here. This sucks. I want to be like, stay in your room. And that is the moment when I have to be like, investment. This is an investment. I'm going to put a little bit more time and energy into leaning into this, and it's going to pay off. Even if it doesn't right now, today, it's going to be paying off and creating momentum towards this mm -hmm. context, this, this theory building about how fun a nap and rest time is. Okay, so what are you needing? Can I rub your back? You know what I was thinking? that I feel so good when I'm just, oh, just, is your tummy good? Okay, because I was, I wanted to look at your shirt tag. Just lie like this, okay, and I'm just gonna rub your back. Does that feel okay? I wanted to tell you a special story, are you ready? I'm gonna invest 15, 20, 30 minutes in helping my child get comfortable in a room alone mm -hmm. because they're not nursing themselves to sleep anymore. They're Two not getting, so conking cool. out. Like, what can I do to help support them to continue these naps or at least to be comfortable enough in a room to rest on their own? And it's so tricky because, it, like you said, Kelty, it depends on their temperament, depends on so many different things. But I think just figuring out, helping them, what's going to help you relax your body right now? Yeah. I can help you. I'm here and, to support. Uh, and outside the moment, I, I feel often that we think a two-year-old doesn't understand the plan of a day and mm -hmm. we can be talking that through with them. So we're going to have breakfast. You remember what's happening then and they're just kind of putting food in their mouth so then you have your special time where's elephant and they'll be like what elephant you're talking about elephant and be like elephant is in your room where you're going to be resting for just a little bit with them what do you think i'm going to be doing and asking questions to a curious toddler mm -hmm. about those things grabs their their kind of like sense of like what's happening next oh and what are you going to be doing I'm just going to be out here cleaning up a little bit so you get to be cuddling i'll be cleaning Cuddling, cleaning, cuddling, cleaning, right? Mm -hmm. And we're planting the seed for later when we bring it up again. We're building this narrative. We're building this context. We're security yeah. outside the moment. Making so it that feel when safe. they're in the moment, they can feel more secure. I'll be writing something and putting it under the door. I'll be doing this and thinking about you. Mm -hmm. You'll be listening to, to this story that you've been loving. You've been loving cars. So we're, you're listening to cars while you rest. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, having a gate up for a two-year-old or something totally where you can work. say, and you keep walking them back 
and if you really, really need to. Or something that Kelty, you did was you, you rested with your kids for a while and you said, okay, well, you're needing support. You're needing me here to get into this resting vibe. I get it. So I'm going to be here and I'm reading my book, but I, I'm not playing with you. So let's get them comfortable in the room doing We're their resting. Thing. I have my earbud in and I'm just kind of hanging out here listening to right. my TV Keeping an show ear out for the five-year-old in the living room, maybe. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and recognizing this doesn't, this isn't forever. Mm -hmm. Like this could just be resting right now. Looks like I, they're needing more support. They're showing me they need more support mm -hmm. and not more support in Groundhog Day, walking them back and telling them the things, but flipping that script, mm -hmm. tearing it up, writing a new one, re remembering that we're in an improv show with our kids always. Getting experimental. I love they're it. They're throwing some things out. We're saying yes and, not no but, right? Mm -hmm. Someone else it. says, my six and five-year-old want more independence, but every time I let them do something together while alone, it always turns into an argument with them. It's frustrating. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with an argument, though? Yeah. Wondering, like an argument where someone really gets injured or someone really feels sad. Arguments are great. Or argument is in, you know, they're learning about each other and conflict resolution situation based on the skills they have. Mm -hmm. You can fill us in on that a little bit. And then why would they say, leave us alone, mom? Like, what is it that you would do when they were around, where they're just saying, let us, <laughs> leave us alone to fight more. Maybe they're wanting that. I was gonna say, like, we have that yeah. happen with some of our kids, and that's what, usually when they get into, quote unquote, mischief, like, mm -hmm. grabbing, like, rolls of toilet paper and stringing them all over, or shoving things down the toilet, or painting on mode. something. They're just like, we have to go crazy yeah. a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that that's because our kids get in arguments all the time, mm -hmm. and that's why we wrote the sibling guide. Yeah to help us put on that sensitive support staff hat and be um, helpful to them and helpful to ourselves ultimately, to build those skills of communication between them, between us, to not have to be that referee, mm -hmm. that jury, that um, police, the, the, all those things. Just take that off our job description. We don't have to be, yeah. be that at all. And with siblings, you know, really the, the foundational belief being that conflict is actually valuable mm -hmm. rather than a nuisance, uh, un, you know, yeah. unnecessary, unnecessary, right? It's yeah. valuable. And so that stuff you can process with them later. Hey, I heard you guys arguing in the other room. You were really upset. Should I come in and support? Or are you guys doing your own thing? And or what was what going happened? on? Tell, Tell me about, about it. Fill and me not in. like I'm grilling you. I need an answer. Who was right? Who was wrong? But just, right. I'm so neutral right now. I just heard mm. this thing. Sometimes when we're stressed or have needs, we take it out on the people we love, right? It's hard to communicate. Or we always do. <laughs> Someone says, can you speak more about circling back? When everyone's calm, I'll try and circle back. My four-year-old will cover her ears and say, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. My six-year-old usually parrots me. My eight-year-old will interrupt me. Mm, you have and, I, and say, okay, I get it. Can we stop talking about it? Mm -hmm. I, I totally get that. Mm -hmm. Sensitive kids, yeah, right? I have... <laughs> super sensitive uh, spirited kids and I feel like often um, two things when that happens one I'm choosing a time that is not right because it's too soon after or they're not comfortable enough like I haven't kind of like like uh, massaged or primed them enough in other ways um, where they're feeling or, really receptive right or two the way that I'm going about it feels more like a grill back a little in, more official a little bit like even lovingly. So I wanted to talk about earlier or so remember when you this any like and you and I Hannah are very sensitive to shame and shamey tones like very. so sensitive. Yeah. So we're like anytime we get even like a glimmer of that we're just like oh god oh my god I um, did something wrong I'm unloved oh my god yeah. what do I do my belonging is at risk mm -hmm. um so we are so yeah. sensitive to doing that with our kids and which makes us even more aware of the times that we do use it as a tool and not even necessarily to like I want to make you feel bad about this conversation no. but I'm bringing this up because I care so fucking much to connect about it and that a, that caring so much can sometimes be connected um and construed as like an agenda mm -hmm. and when sensitive <clears throat> kids feel an agenda they want it to stop when sensitive kids who have experienced, not that you have, more of the grill back or more of the, remember when you this, <laughs> that wasn't okay. Or, yeah. Or I, like, you know, lots of repeated examples of us yelling at them and then trying to talk about the yelling later, that's just re reconnecting them to the trauma in the moment, mm -hmm. right? So 
So it's a slow process of doing the circle back. And it's great that you're noticing that, I think, about yeah. your kids and saying, wow, so I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to connect with them after having um, experienced a struggle with them or maybe yelled or done a consequence or they just could not self, you know, co-regulate with me enough to kind of learn through this struggle. So we're going to process it now. And they're showing you, they're giving you the intel of, okay, maybe I need to be doing them individually rather than all three at once. Maybe it needs to be when we're cuddling rather than at the dinner table. Maybe I need to bring it up in a story a little bit more disconnected, more nuanced than directly. It's a little more indirectly. Every mm -hmm. kid needs something different, just like we do with our partners. When my partner brings them up and I'm like, why would you say it that way? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, don't talk to me about our finances at nine o'clock at night. Like, coffee first, please. <laughs> he has the best of intentions. So it's like, it's all about communication style, love language, mm -hmm. all of those things and creating a safe, secure environment for them to want to connect with you directly or for many kids indirectly through the yeah. storytelling. Play is a great way to connect with puppets, with drawing stuff, with acting things out where they mm -hmm. can kind of, oh, mom's acting this out. That's kind of funny. Yeah, or for those older kids, sometimes mentioning it in like, Mm -hmm. you're chopping vegetables or you're in a car driving mm -hmm. so you don't have to be face to face and you're like I was just thinking about this thing and you're not saying hey I want to talk to you as in on the spot I'm you 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 it's saying I'm floating this thing and you have the expectation that they're not gonna grab on and that's okay they can let go of that thread but they're still absorbing it and that's still progress and it's fine another way with younger kids is to kind of accidentally talk about it in front of them to a partner and say they're like at the table coloring and you say to your partner, oh, we had a struggle earlier today, but I think that we were all just feeling really hungry and I would love to know how all the kids mm -hmm. feel about it, but they might not be ready. And I think they know that they can always come and talk to me, but I, mm -hmm. I yelled a little bit because do you know what? I had that work call coming up. And then hopefully the partner's going like this. And going, oh, you know. And so you can be modeling that and storytelling that. Mm -hmm. And older kids, you can also write them a note. You can say, hey, the way this happened today, I'm sorry. I want to understand. Yeah, or you draw a I'm little here. comic book thing where it says, like, mean mom. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> right. Or you were crying. I felt like yeah. I wasn't sure what to do, right? But there's so many ways and avenues we can find to communicate with our kids that works for them, not for us at the time for us and the way for us. That's our love language, yeah. right? But what is our kids' love language? Someone said, love this, thank you, and I resonate so much with your approaches. Oh, good. Um, the, the five or six and five mom says, I'll let them shower together, but without my help, and it, it turns into a screaming match between them and just et cetera. Oh, that's so yeah, hard. That's so tricky. Someone else says it sounds calm, but when you have multiple kids screaming, it's hard to keep your cool. Absolutely. Oh my so gosh. hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it, those are the moments that I'm really glad we're working on our self uh, regulation guide because those are the yeah. moments that when it becomes so absurd, if it's like one kid screaming, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, okay, I'm dealing. And when it's multiple, I'm just like, this is so big. It surreal. Feels like, it's like so <laughs> surreal. It's like a dolly painting where I just need to be like, what's happening my here? My life is the tabloids. Okay. I can't trust this. I can't trust it. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, at least for me, pulls me out of this. Someone says, thank you for these ideas, ladies. Yeah. Thank you. And driving the car is clutch, someone says. Mm -hmm. Muito bom. A você, Monica. Obrigada por tudo. escrever a você. Eventualmente. Someone says, I love your lives and how present and responsive you are to your community here. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. I wish we could be better. We have so many DMs going on oh that we God. can't get to. And that's why we're starting our membership community in January. So if you're interested in connecting with us even more than what we're able to do now with so many of you here, for this short period of time, mm. our membership community is at upbringing.co forward slash join. And you can yeah. pre-register, tell us what you're into, what kind of places you would want to do it, like no, not Facebook, not Discord, but this. We're figuring all of that out right now and building the infrastructure of our community. Um, it's not gonna be anything fancy, it's just gonna be more contact about what's going on in your life and allowing us to kind of be part of that in a way. Yeah. Um, and also allowing you guys and figuring out ways for you to connect with one another, which I think is really important. I think it's great to connect to Kelty and me, but I think it, you can get so much more out of finding a community 
not just being in a community, but finding one another. Yeah, some people are like, struggles. must connect with parents of spirited kids. We'll put you in a group. Mm -hmm. Some people are like, must connect with, with parents of other siblings that are constantly clashing or kids with serious sleep issues. Or resistant or, toddlers. Like yeah. we can find ways to connect you all, which I am really excited about. So check that out on our website. Yeah, someone says, I certainly see you two being so supportive through sharing your story. The calmness really helps. Uh, these land well. Oh, good. We're glad. We, we are very calm right now. Someone says, <laughs> sometimes I feel like I have double standards between the two kids. The younger one is more considerate of others' feelings, but the older one doesn't seem to get enough attention. How do I model and something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think mm. our, my instinct to say is that we meet our kids where they are, regardless of kid. All our kids are different. All our kids are beautiful and unique in their own ways, and it's so... So someone's, they said, how do I model and set boundaries for both of them consistently? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that, that we have to think about in those ways, setting boundaries that are personal to us, as in, I, my ears are hurting because of this thing, so I need to walk out, not I have this boundary that you can't throw. So one of you throws and one of you doesn't. And so <clears throat> the consist consistency can be with ourselves, not by putting a limit on a person based on what they can and can't do. Does that make sense? Like, kind of. what, are the, what are the feelings of the older one uh, versus the younger one? What do you mean by setting boundaries <clears throat> for both of them consistently? just I'm in general, bit, like, it's really hard to have siblings that are different temperaments or different ages. I mean, we're twins, so we're like, we were at the same place at the same time since ever. And it's really hard raising kids who are at different developmental milestones, different um, temperaments different needs, mm -hmm. different styles of communicating and doing that stuff. It's yeah, really tricky. But it asks for us to get clear mm -hmm. on what we believe and what we need and to match that with child development knowledge. So I don't like being yelled at or I don't like having someone throw something at me. That doesn't have to be necessarily um, something personal to them. It could just be, we have a family rule. I'm going to stop your hand. That's not about you. There's nothing that you're doing. Mm -hmm. They're just these general family rules for right. safety. And right now they might revolve more around my, our five-year-old than mm -hmm. around our two-year-old. That might change. But that will change. And the two-year-old is watching as you're setting these rules with a five-year-old mm -hmm. who's a little bit not getting enough attention and struggling a little mm -hmm. more, right? But the two-year-old's going to get to a, a time when they're like, I don't want to be considerate. Yeah. I don't want to be helpful yeah, to I others, wanna say, right? Yeah, I want to say, saying that the younger one is more considerate of others' feelings, that I think that that like, kind of like pokes me a little bit in a way that in this upbringing sense, mm -hmm. like we, we don't judge our kids for being inconsiderate of other people's feelings. We don't. Our kids are free to act, to believe, to speak, to feel, whatever they do. And we're thinking of everything they do and everything they project and all of their behavior that drives us absolutely bonkers as trying to meet a need, trying to communicate something. And that consideration of other people's yeah. feelings is not our number one goal, mm -hmm. right? And as th their behaviors also is very fluid and not fixed. They're not fixed aspects that one of my children is considerate and the other one is less considerate, insensitive rude. or rude. <clears throat> it's they're going through something where that's how they're getting their needs met. They're able to, whatever for whatever reason, be more considerate of other people today right? Or they're needing a little more support for themselves this week, right? We're really part of our sibling guide that we talk about that's available in our shop. We're going to do an audio version and a, a video version soon, which I'm really excited about, mm -hmm. is busting those beliefs about labeling our kids and, and noticing those things. We've got so much information coming in and we're trying to make sense of it as parents, but we don't want to be limiting our kids based on those judgments, right? Yeah, I think about that so much. We talk about it with ourselves and our partners, like, we were considerate with other people's feelings growing up mm -hmm. because we were very sensitive and very sensitive to notes from our parents and mm -hmm. shame and little things. Yeah. And I think about my husband who was super spirited and no one could control him and he was not sensitive to mm -hmm. um, or considerate of other people's feelings. And he's like the most stand up, respectful, loving, wonderful person to everyone in his entire life. And you're a bitch now, I'm so such a I don't know. Bitch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I am because I'm just like, God, I held it all in this whole time. I don't know who I am. What do I want? Uh, you, you, Fuck you. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's something to be said. And that's why we talk about our freedoms model is talking about keeping our kids in tune with who they are and not focusing on that external lens of, are you considerate to them? Are you considerate to them? Are you respectful to them? 
focusing on that external lens always. always and saying instead of socialization being our priority can we instead focus on self-awareness it feels so permissive what you're doing these things you're saying these terrible things i'm going to turn on you and be like how are you what do you need yes that's what we're saying connect to the child connect to their experience connect to what they're thinking and feeling that will to translate to the outside eventually authentically right resiliently yeah. skillfully i think it's almost all time the things. to stop yeah someone said hi my two-year-old is currently adjusting to his Weak old sister, he's been hitting her at times, mostly sure. when I'm nursing her. How do I go about dealing with this? Comfort baby first. Oh, uh, yeah. move, baby. Move, baby. move baby. Move baby. Keep baby safe. <laughs> Keep two-year-old busy. Right. Do I point out that she's crying and feeling upset now? Do I try to ask no. what we can do to make her feel better? Nope. No. Do not go into any of that. Your child is, is saying, he's not even caring about it as sibling. He or she. He's just saying to the, he's. Or this, she. This toddler is saying, what about me? I'm scared. I'm this is messed up and new. Help right. me. If I'm you were struggling. holding a bag of sand instead of him, he'd be hitting the sand. He or she, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what this other person is. Mm -hmm. You don't need to build empathy. We always, again, focus on that socialization and say, let's build empathy about other be people's Be a big, good, needs. big brother or sister. Look what you did to them. Oh, right? they're so sad now. Oh, you can't treat them like that. Right, but what is it at the expense of that is their insight. And we always want to prioritize mm -hmm. insight and then empathy. Mm -hmm. Kids cannot think of what other people are going through or what other people need if they haven't gotten attuned and understood and uh, have agency in meeting their own needs first. So yeah. you need to keep baby safe and not allow that to happen if at all possible. So not saying, don't go over there. Don't touch <laughs> her. Right. Do not, uh, baby sister's over there. You're getting too close. Don't hit, gentle hands. But saying, oh my gosh, you're over there by baby. How's it? Oh my gosh, can I'm I hold your help. hand while I, let's help. touch her gently. Okay. Oh my gosh, you're trying to grab her a little. Let's move baby out. I'm going to set her up here. How are you doing? What's up? Do you What's need up? a hug? How you, how you doing? Because right. you know, they know that hitting baby sister is not a good idea. And they can't control that impulse because of child brain. And right. that's okay. Two-year-old is saying, I'm struggling at this separation from you. I don't like seeing you being mm -hmm. with this other person, which they always talk about in Siblings Without Rivalry. Yeah. I think it is. It's like bringing another partner home. If your husband were like, or I'm bringing wife. another woman home, like another person, bring it into the mix. You're going to love him. It's going to be so great. You guys are going like, to be like this, right? like so close. You're going to so love much it. Fun, right. You'll share a I'm, room. Eventually. I'm going to be spending less time with you, but that's okay because you're going to love them. Our family's it's be getting so good. bigger. It's so yeah. exciting. You're going to be the best. I would be like wife. I would sister. be freaking sister out. Wife, right. Yeah. Right. So um, we're going to have a sibling, like new sibling guide mm -hmm. soon. Toddler baby, kid toddler baby. Toddler baby, because this is yeah. such a big scope. And I, I yeah. love this topic. I wish we could spend the entire Q&A on this. It's so fun talking about it, but just welcoming all the feelings, stopping the impulses. You want right? to hit. Let's find something you can hit. Right. You're moving over there. Are you curious? You're so interested. You're trying to smother her. Okay. I'm going to help you help away. You. I'm going to be so neutral. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop your hand. I'm going to move your body. How you doing? Right? When every fiber of our being is saying, why? Stop this. Must be best friends. Must be stroking Reason. baby Punish. sister's face. Reason with them. Punish them. Lecture them. Mm -hmm. Control them. All you have to do is control the environment so that they're successful to experience the loss of having a new sibling in the house. Everything they're experiencing is good and they should get all those feelings out. And you like, and we are there as parents to save them from themselves, right? To keep the baby safe and to let our child process the transition that is having a new sibling in the house. That's the yeah. idea. So welcome all the feelings, keep everybody safe, do those loving limits. And right? bring up the feelings later. We talked yeah. about the circle back earlier. How you doing, honey? They're just, we're reading, it's between books. I was thinking about new baby. And we checking in <clears> with her today. Do you see her little tiny toes? They were so mm -hmm. cute. I was thinking about not you've been hitting her and that's not okay. Or you know to use gentle hands with your sister, right? But the circle back moment being a moment to say, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. This is hard. This is the worst. This is different. Mm -hmm. I love this. We could keep going for a really long time on this, but I feel like we're already past and I mm -hmm. don't know how this is still going. So we're going to yeah. wrap it up, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for practicing powers beyond control. 
It is a daily act. We can't always do it perfectly. We're not mm -hmm. supposed to. That's why we say progress over perfection, mm -hmm. trust over fear, connection over control. We're growing up alongside our kids and we're so grateful that you're here doing this with us. Yeah. Um, reach out if, with a DM or anything. Um, join our, sign up, pre-register for our membership community if you want to be doing more mm -hmm. of this stuff, a little more in-depth. Check out our shop um, with our guides and all our prints. Yes, the Elements things. of Respect are 20% off mm -hmm. this week. Um, thank you too. Thank you. Thanks everybody. Loving the hearts. Yeah. Feels really good. We'll see you again on Thursday. And all yes. of these audios go to the podcast, so check those out mm -hmm. if you want to listen again or share them with someone else. Yes. Bye, everyone.